Hey, Love Tribe, get excited for another great episode with Chase and our special guest. But before we start, I wanted to remind you about our amazing and free 14-day happy couple challenge. I don't know about you, but with the upcoming holidays, I'm feeling this hectic energy and I'm craving some grounding, fun, and meaningful connection with my partner. So whether you've been with your partner for many years and you're needing to mix things up or you're a newly coupled and you're looking to dive in to learn more about each other, the 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge is perfect for anyone wanting to deepen their relationship and have fun while doing it. So head on over to our website to sign up. You can start connecting deeper physically and emotionally today over at idopodcast.com slash 14 with our simple, easy, and doable daily challenges arriving straight into your inbox daily. This free 14-Day Challenge will help you break the old habits and build new engaging habits that will push you to create a deeper intimacy with your partner. Sign up today for free for the 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge to start strengthening and improving your relationship today. Head on over to idopodcast.com slash 14. That's idopodcast.com slash 14 to sign up for our free challenge today. I do podcast episode 15. Welcome to IDoPodcast.com, where fun and inspiring relationship experts, therapists, and couples share tips and advice that will help lead you to a fulfilling and happy relationship. Let their guidance illuminate your path to happiness. Are you ready to create lasting love? And now, your hosts, Chase and Sarah. We're very excited to introduce our guest today, Doug Ziegler. Hey, Doug. Hey, Doug. How are you? How are you guys? Oh, we're great. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. Doug is a husband, a father of four, a tech and video game geek. In his spare moments, he enjoys good books and even better beers, exploring new things, places, and food with his wife and Kentucky basketball. He also possesses a vast knowledge of 80s music that he hopes will pay off big time at some random trivia night. <laughs> We've given our listeners just a little overview. So take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Uh, well, as far as myself, you know, I've, uh, I have four children, as I was mentioned in my bio. Um, they're a variety of ages from 13 to 7, so that's uh, pretty condensed. Uh, it's a Brady Bunch style of family because we are <laughs> blended. We're and uh, two boys, two girls, and they're just loads of fun. And I'm married to easily the best person I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And we've been married for almost three years now and been together for five. And it has been just an incredible journey with her. And I'm thankful every day just to have that. And as far as helping people, I just think that's what you should do as a, as a good person. If you can lend a hand, you absolutely should. And, you know, Sometimes your advice is perfect for certain people and not for others, and everybody's an individual, and some things will work for you that won't work with other people, but then you can learn about what works for them and learn something for yourself as well, I think. Excellent. Well, I know we're going to learn a lot today, and hopefully our listeners will be able to take a lot home. Our topic today is about an article that you wrote titled, Fixing My Wife When She's Not Broken, and this can also 
we could name it fixing my husband when he's not broken. Absolutely. So many times, you know, we think we need to fix the other other partner and talk about that's not really what needed to happen. And a lot of the times, the first reaction really is wanting to make her smile and fix what's wrong. Um, So what's wrong with that? Well, a lot of times trying to fix what the issue is, and there are people who are fixers. I tend to be in that category. I don't want my wife upset. I don't want her, you know, feeling angry. So my first reaction is if I can get her to smile, then things are working in the right direction, and then I'm working towards fixing whatever the problem is. But most of the time, that's not exactly what she's needing. Uh, A lot of times she just wants my ear to hear her struggles with what's going on with her, be it work or just life in general or just a general frustration, even if it's something with us. She just needs that listening aspect of me to take over and just not just listen, to actually hear what the problem is and Sometimes that's all she needs, and then that's a good jumping-off point that maybe she does need fixing after that fact, and maybe I need fixing after that fact, but the listening is where it needs to begin. Listening is so important in a relationship and can really help you grow, but if you don't listen, it can really hurt the relationship. Mm, Absolutely, and uh, I've run into that a few times where I jumped into my fixer mode, and it just really didn't help the situation and made it a lot worse. and once she just said, just sit and listen to me, that's when the light bulb and the aha moment happened. And that's what spawned that article. And uh, it's not an easy thing sometimes because of my general nature is not to do that. But through practice and just continuously communicating, it does get easier as you, as you go along. What's the best way to listen to your partner? Are there any uh, key tips you would give while somebody is telling you what's on their mind or how they're feeling? I think being involved, and by involved, I mean processing what they're saying, empathizing. You know, that's really what we want from our partners is empathy, to, to have them really understand you. You know, We always hear people, what's the biggest greatest thing you have with your partner is that they get you. And that's empathy. So you want to hear what they're saying and try to empathize with what their situation is. And that goes a long way towards communication. Absolutely. And it's like there's a difference between hearing someone and then actually listening. I can hear the words you're saying, but are you really processing them? And I think that that's what you were sort of touching on in the article. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, sometimes it's easy to get locked in our own uh, issues at that moment, you know, and, and lose track of what they're saying. But you just, you have to be involved. You have to be present. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're not, you know, they're going to notice. You know, just like if I was explaining something to my wife and her, she wasn't actively present, I would know. And you just want to be able to have that real open communication, and that requires both parties being there. And sometimes that means not reacting and not giving your own opinion. Yes, and uh, uh, that's not to say that all the time that is the case. There are times where they're going to want your opinion, but a lot of times it's just getting that proverbial monkey off your back of just the stress of things that are occurring, and you just need to blurt it out and let it out once it's out, it's out the ether, and you just feel a lot of relief. And, you know, you'll know when your opinions 
should be given or not, it's it's pretty pretty easy to communicate well with that person. I love the study that you noted in the article about how people communicate in that a big part of communication is in or listening is not with your ears but with your eyes because you got to be picking up on the nonverbal cues. Uh, and that can be that can be really challenging, um, especially if you're trying to be present and listening. You have to involve all your senses, you know. And and sight is important, just to notice little inflections on their face, uh, you know, maybe some hand gestures, how they're moving, and that speaks a lot to what their mood is and and how you can better process what they're trying to relay to you. And that again is something that. Over time, as you practice with it and you learn your spouse and your partner, and you will always be able to learn from them, just like they'll always be able to learn from you, what is that cue? What, you know, she smirks a certain way at a certain time means one thing, but if she does it another time, it means something different. And it sounds complicated, but once you understand it, it, it gets a lot easier to, to, you know, be more present and communicate better. Absolutely. In the article, I think they said that only 7% of communication is actual words in, uh, in the study that they found. And that's just amazing to think about. Absolutely. Because, you know, you, you think when you're communicating, when you're talking, that should be what the most present part of that conversation is the actual conversation itself. But, you know, it's, it's not. It's it's seeing that person and, and really looking at them and having them look at you so you can actually feel what they're saying. And, you know, there's a, a lot of different pieces to that puzzle with just the physicality of speaking. And that study was just really good about breaking down how much communication is dependent upon everything other than speech itself. Yeah, it's kind of counterintuitive, and but it's important to recognize. And you talked about the the physical cues and the body language, but then the tone of voice is very important as well. Mm-hmm. There's a <laughs> there's a guy named Greg Barrett who talks a lot about how when you're with someone, you can color your language with a nice tone. And <laughs> mm-hmm. we've all had uh, certain conversations with people where. The tone is different than the words they're actually saying because they're, you know, being ironic or yeah. sarcastic mm-hmm. or it, it's the tone matters a lot too. And, you know, it, some people's tone with sarcasm is different than others. And it's, it's a pacing to what they say that as you hear more and more, I can't stress enough that just communicating more and more actually helps so much with learning those cues and to react and help if need be, or just listen if that's what they need. A lot of the times, the environment that you're in when you're having that conversation is very key to a successful resolution of what they're talking about. Certainly. Um, You know, like, for instance, if you're home, that's a a comfort zone for both of you. Or if your relationship isn't good, it's a hostile zone. But uh, let's just go with the idea that it's good right now. Yeah. Uh, so that, if it's a comfort zone, that makes it easier to really speak freely. Whereas if you're out in public, obviously you kind of have to guard your language a little more and you have to be able to read between the lines a little more and know that, oh, well, we need to pick up that discussion when we get home and we can actually speak a little more freely. 
and you know, even the reading between the lines is another element of this communication that is uh, lost a lot. And uh, if we can pick those things up along with the nonverbal cues and actually hearing what the person says, I think it will just be tremendously better for every relationship just to be able to hear each other properly. Absolutely. And it's really important, like you mentioned in the article, if you're at the supermarket and you guys are trying to resolve a conflict, it's probably not the best place to to actually get a productive conversation going. Probably not, especially amongst the Cheerios and other shoppers, you know. And overall, it just it takes practice to understand your partner and, and understand their facial expressions and tone and, and hand gestures. It just takes time to, to, to get to understand that. Yes, and I, I believe that you'll never know everything about the person you're with. It, regardless of how close you are, how well you communicate, you'll always be learning new things about that person. I think that's exciting. I think that's really fascinating as well. And it does take practice. It shouldn't be daunting because really what you're doing is you're making your relationship better. And that's a very good thing. So the idea of having to practice and do this a lot shouldn't be daunting. It should be something that you embrace because it will help you both. That's some great advice, Doug. We really appreciate all those tips. And I know our audience can really, really resonate with that. And and what do you find is the most common reason that you think couples struggle in their relationship? I would say complacency. And that encompasses a whole lot more than just, I'm going to come home and I'm going to sit on this couch and watch this TV show. It's It's a relationship in that it settles. And you just get to a point where it seems comfortable. It's a path of least resistance. Uh, just instead of actually conversing, it's just, hey, how was your day? Yeah, okay, well, I'm going to go over here and do this. Yeah. And that's what I always do. And complacency, while there's a comfort in it, it also shuts down communication because you're not really talking to each other. You're just hitting all the normal points, going through your day, and that doesn't allow you to get to know each other even better. Mm -hmm. Uh, Complacency is the enemy to me. And again, I can't speak for everyone, but combating complacency isn't as difficult as it seems as long as you're really invested in talking to your partner and exploring what's going on with them and having them be able to explore you too. You have to be open to that as well. It's not a one-way street. Yeah, it's it's easy just to be complacent and you go through the motions. You're not really there. You're not present in the moment. And so many times you hear that relationships, marriage, are hard work. And and that's really, I think, what it means is it, it's not just going into autopilot. It's working on that relationship every day. Absolutely. And I, I can speak to that. My, my first marriage was very much like that. You know, it was, you know, we were zombie-like in our approach to marriage. I mean, we just walked through the day, we went to work, we came home, hi, how are you, here's the kids, let's take care of them, and move on, and we never really talked, and, uh, you know, that led to bigger issues, because we weren't communicating, we weren't communicating our frustrations to each other, or what was making us unhappy or happy, you know, and if you don't fight the complacency, then I think that is going to be a challenge for you to keep that relationship in place. 
Do you have any examples of ways that our listeners can combat complacency in their relationship? Um, well, one of the things that I do, and this is, again, a personal thing, I start off by when I come home and I, I ask my wife how her day was, what went on in her day, and I genuinely listen to her um, because I think that starts us off on talking and just, you know, touch touching base from a mental level, which, you know, can lead to touching base physically and emotionally, and it all ties together. Um, you know, you just have to find what works for you to open that channel of communication. It might be, hey, what happened with the kids today? Or, you know, I know you were doing this at work today. How did that go? It's it's just showing an interest and generally listening and them reciprocating helps obviously too because it again it can't be a one way street it has to be both ways. Oh, it's great specific information that our listeners will be able to apply. And I really think that they'll be able to connect with that daily meeting or weekly meeting like you say and and we've had another expert on that says that having those what he called managerial meetings to kind of touch base just like you would in a business where each person comes together tells them what they're doing and see if there's anything that needs to be fixed or resolved and and doing that can really benefit the relationship yeah absolutely and I, and I think a, a part to that is that being vulnerably honest about everything and there are times when that will create trouble because you're saying something that might be a, a tinge hurtful. But if you're honest about it, it's going to hurt both ways because you don't want to hurt your spouse. But if you're not completely vulnerable with yourself and opening up and saying, this is a problem for me, uh, you know, what can we do to uh, fix this? Or is it not a problem? Maybe I'm just overreacting or what's your view? And that vulnerable honesty is, is what really helps my wife and I communicate even on a higher level than I thought we could. And it's, it's something where she's really vulnerably honest with me and, and like vice versa. It's a great point and it's probably really important to, to watch your tone, to watch your delivery when you're communicating during those times. And if you don't be vulnerably honest, then those problems are going to surface at some point. So you might as well get them out there. Yeah, and that's not meaning saying something to be completely, like, hurtful. You know, yeah, you have to use right. act. But, uh, you know, just saying, you know, I'm really bothered that, for instance, we haven't had sex in th three days or a week or two weeks or whatever the case may be. You need to voice that. And she should be free to voice that as well. Yeah. You know, if there's something bothering, and it's not just in that realm, but regardless, hey, I'm, I always do the dishes and I'm tired of doing that. You know, can you help me with it? You know? Even simple, little, menial things like washing the dishes can add up. And if you're not that vulnerably honest self, you can't communicate that well. So, you know, I think there's there's a, a method to that whole process that each couple has to figure out for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Well, now we are getting into the his and her round where Sarah and I each ask a question that's on our minds. Sarah's up first. All right, Doug. Well, you mentioned when we were talking about the nonverbal communication signs, uh, one of them was reading between the lines. Uh, do you mind giving our listeners just a few examples of, of what reading between the lines can be? Sure. Um, like we mentioned, like I mentioned, the article being in the supermarket, for instance, isn't a great place to try to resolve a conflict. 
you know, she may be saying, uh, for instance, I really don't particularly care for this brand of cereal. And it's, <laughs> she's not speaking that it's a metaphor. It's, mm-hmm. I don't really want this sort of thing going on between us. Mm-hmm. And the cereal is just a physical manifestation of that. And is it hard to read sometimes? Absolutely. But both sides are hard to read. It's not simply a male or female thing. We all use metaphors and, and public spaces to kind of convey feelings that, mm. you know, you can't really convey that that way because of where you are. Uh, reading between the lines is a very acquired skill, yeah. especially because <laughs> each person is different and how they say those things between the lines. I'm very fortunate in that my wife is not one for really mincing words too much. So it makes it a little easier for me in that respect. Um, however, I tend to be a little more vague when I do it. So that's a little more challenging for her. But we always know that when we come home, we have a base to come home. And what did you mean by this? We're not afraid to open those those uh, little things that might not be as uh, happy a thought as, you know, I love you or something like that. It's something where they're trying to get across something that's that's on their mind and bothering them. Yeah, and it, it's an important skill to have, but I think it's also important to realize that if it's too hard to read between the lines, then maybe the other person, you need, you guys need to address the way they're communicating. Yeah, absolutely. And the other part of that is you should feel be free to ask a direct question. What are what do you mean? What is really going on? And be you ready for something that might not come out the way you want to hear it. Um, but that doesn't mean that they don't love you. They're just not, uh, they need to say it unfiltered and let it out. And then you can work on, okay, well, that kind of hurt me that you said it that way, but I get what you're saying. So what can we do to help this along and make it better for both of us? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's good if you're in the cereal aisle having a metaphorical <laughs> argument with frosted mini wheats. <laughs> yeah. And no one. Like you start throwing the cereals at each other. That would get really messy. Yeah. Then, then you realize what's going on. Yep. Well, my question is when you're listening to your partner and someone might find it hard to, to not interject, to not react, what's one tool that you might recommend for, for just not jumping in? Just when I spoke earlier about empathy, that is where it starts, I think, for me, is this person is trusting me with something that they're feeling. So I need to respect that this is a valuable piece of them that they're sharing with me. And that isn't always easy because it might be something where they're saying, well, I don't like the way you fold the clothes. Well, it's easy to get defensive about that, but that's the natural order of how we most humans would react. It's just quelling that and just realizing there's more to it than just how the clothes are folded. There's something else going on. So let's dig into it because it's only going to make us better as a couple is resolving whatever the problem is. Excellent. Well, now it's time for our favorite part of the interview, the lasting love round. We'll ask you a series of questions and you'll respond with great information to help set the foundation for a lasting relationship. We love it. Our listeners love it. So, Doug, are you ready to help us build lasting love? Let's do it. What's one thing couples can do on a daily basis to help improve their relationship? Well, 
uh, earlier I mentioned asking how their day went. I think first thing, grabbing your partner and just giving them a hug and a kiss is a really good way to start your home home base when you get back. And uh, just really listening. As simple as it sounds, it's the easiest thing to start with. So I think if you do that on a daily basis, you're you're on your way. Is there a book or resource you can recommend for couples? I personally do not refer to other sources because I think that our partner and I should be able to work on those things. That doesn't work for everybody. Mm-hmm. I know there's some excellent resources like, uh, you know, I write for Good Men Project, which talks a lot about husbandry and things like that. Our, one of our sites that we partner with is Elephant Journal, which approaches it from the female perspective. Those are good resources, I think. Uh, you know, and talking to other couples and having open discussions with them, I think, is a fantastic way to learn how other people process things with, the, with their spouse. Great. We'll have a link for the Good Men Project on our website on your show notes page. So our listeners can go there and check out that website and read all those awesome articles that are on there. Uh, That's greatly appreciated. Thank you. And we're getting married this year. Is there any advice you would give engaged couples or newlyweds? I think uh, one of the things I learned from my first marriage was just not sweating the small stuff. Uh, You know, it's easy to get wrapped up in little things like, you know, like the dishes or laundry or, you know, that stuff is not that important. You have someone you love and you cherish and want to spend the rest of your life with. That is what matters. So that is where you need to concentrate your efforts, not on laundry, not on making sure the house is spotless. Concentrate on the person you love. If you could give just one single piece of advice for a successful relationship, what would it be? Laugh a lot. <laughs> uh, don't take yourself too seriously. Uh, you know, you get one go round of this life, so relish it, enjoy it, especially with the people you love. Well, great, Doug. Well, we've really enjoyed hearing all your advice you've given us and our listeners today. So let's finish by having you tell our listeners where they can find you, and then we'll say goodbye. Well, I want to say thank you so much for having me on. I've had a blast doing this. As far as getting hold of me, you can read any of my stuff on goodmenproject.com. I've also been published in Huffington Post. Uh, You can also reach me on Twitter at Doug underscore Ziegler. And if you wish to email me, you can email me at DougKZigler at gmail.com, and I'll be happy to talk to anybody. Yo, thank you. And our listeners can find all the information of links of today's episode on idopodcast.com. Go to the podcast tab, and you'll be in the archives. And thank you again so much for your generous knowledge and for taking the time to come on our show today. Uh, I greatly appreciate you having me on. It's been great. Are you interested in learning five ways to improve your relationship on a daily basis? How about five tips for engaged couples or newlyweds? This information and more is our free gift to you when you go to idopodcast.com and subscribe to our mailing list. Thank you so much for joining us today on I Do Podcast. Head on over to idopodcast.com for full recaps of every show, relationship resources, tips, and advice. 
Your path to a successful and lasting relationship awaits you. Are you ready to create lasting love? You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.